Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to Helmet Theory Podcast. It's me and my good friend, Matt. Hey, guys. It's me again. It's Matt and Matt. You know, I used to feel really insecure about these intros because it just feels awkward and uncomfortable. And now I feel like what's funny is the more comfortable I get doing it, it's it's I almost it's like I like it when it feels awkward and uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah, I get that. I don't know. It's like I did that. No, I, hold on. I was thinking. I was like, why did I say that? <laughs> or like our first episode when I was like, I said your name first, and Kirsten was like, why did you? It, it's kind of confusing that you said his name first because then it makes it sound like you're him. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah. yeah. Well, we're still in Fayetteville. Uh, the last episode that we put out, I was in Fayetteville at Nichols' house. So and, we're we're doing two episodes today. Yeah, we're actually recording two uh, while we're here, just because we get the chance to be in person. It's just a lot easier, and it's easier to have a conversation when someone's right in front of you as opposed to with headphones on and you know stuck in your closet. We typically do record in our closets. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we're we're still here. It's my pre-birthday weekend so uh my birthday is in a couple days december 3rd if uh, anybody wants to send gifts but you'll be 32 i'll be 32 years old which is oh man it's such a weird feeling i honestly dude when i hit that going into my 30th birthday birthday started having this sort of depressing effect on me like i didn't get excited about them because i was just like part of it was just because i was had a lot of life transition going on and it made me depressed to think about like where I'm at and then like what I want and, and you just look at your 20s and you're like oh my gosh what dude, did I do in my 20s wasted yeah. time and which I guess is I guess most people probably feel like that to a degree yeah. they think about all the stuff they could have done differently or wish they would have done but yeah turning 32 and so uh, <clears throat> yeah doing the birthday thing I told Kirsten that I just wanted to come up here and hang out with friends and do you know it's the weekend right after Thanksgiving too so it's kind of this whole month like having a December birthday is hard because it's, you know, it's Christmas season, dude. Like, yeah. there's not much that you can do. So we just wanted to get away. We love the area up here, obviously, and you guys are up here. This was kind of, I guess, a part of my birthday present, just getting to come up here and spend a ton of money. Get away, man. So, did you get anything cool for your birthday? Well, um, yes. So, I got a pair of boots that I've really been wanting. And 
<laughs> not, not the fairy boots. Yeah, no. So I retired the fairy boots, as you call them. Nichols calls my, <laughs> they're called Chelsea boots. My wife calls them my pastor boots. Nichols calls them my fairy boots because he wears freaking Justin work boots when he wears boots or whatever other country boots. I like to just call them shit kickers because I like to wear uh, <laughs> boots that you can go out in the mud or whatever, yeah. get scuffed up and they don't matter. Yeah, so I found these. So I don't know. I got, I also, I'm not, I don't dress country. I don't look country. I don't really act country. I may sometimes sound country because I'm from Arkansas, but that's about it. And I don't even think I do. But I found some boots. I, I kind of started, I just wanted some boots. I did. I wanted, I wanted yeah. some like cowboy boots, some nice, like, that I can just wear with a pair of jeans or whatever. Well, I'm thinking I'll ask for some cowboy boots for, you know, my birthday or Christmas. And then I realized, well, there was two things that went into it. There was number one, how freaking expensive they are. Like boots if you're going to get, oh my Lord, if you're going to get a decent pair of boots, I mean, I saw some of the more exotic ones, like five, six, seven hundred dollars $700. I mean, it was just unreal. Now granted, it's all like really good quality stuff. and But I was blown away. So, but the second thing I realized was that I wear skinnier jeans. Like I don't, my jeans are smaller at the ankle. And so I thought, crap, if I get like, a regular pair of like cowboy boots, they're going to bulge at my calf area yeah. <laughs> in my jeans. And so I found this pair that had like the, the nice boot looking bottom, but then they had like a skinnier, shorter, just kind of a, like a, like a high, not, or excuse me, not a high, like a mid ankle opening. And most people are listening to this like, why are they talking about freaking boots? But I found these and I really liked them and they're pretty expensive I mean, I'm cheap. I don't buy expensive shoes. I, I like most of the most of the shoes I've bought in the last few years have been like sale shoes or something. And so to get like a nice pair of uh, leather like boots was pretty expensive. So I want to know your beef with my my fairy boots. Though. What's that? A, <laughs> Dude, I just think I get so many that, compliments on those when I wear them. Yeah, I I just I mean I honestly like some of them, but. I don't know. I just think they look super weird. And like you see guys like Stephen Furtick and, and big, big name pastors wearing them. It's like, dude, that's why, why are you wearing those? Yeah. That's why they call them my pastor boots. So I will say this, and this is one of the reasons, and I don't know how I feel about this because this feels so petty to me. But one of the reasons that I sort of retired them was number one, I got tired of them. But number two, I kind of felt like I, you see it and I see it all the time. Guys that get deeply plugged into a, church like a like a bigger church especially that has a more like they've kind of got the same feel the same tone like people kind of look and dress this certain way like the um it's sort of like like i can spot i can spot a worship leader or whatever yeah. or a pastor from a mile away you know what i mean like it's it's funny because like like church people especially in these big mega churches you get super involved and people start to kind of lose sight of who they really are and yeah. they start to dress like like the big name pastors. Do. Well yeah, and we've both done that. And real quick, I think <laughs> the reason that you don't like the boots themselves is because like the way you don't like them what the, the way they look is because they do have that kind of GQ European kind of look. Like that's They look like something Peter Pan would wear. Right, exactly. And they <laughs> like, don't exactly and yeah. they and you 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 are more in tune with your country redneck roots yeah. now. And so yeah. it makes sense. But yeah, with the pastor boot thing or the, the pastor, I noticed myself doing it too. Like some of the shirts I was wearing were like, 
like the longer uh almost tall tee but yeah, like the real yeah. long hippie or not hippie hipster looking shirts and all that yeah and, and i have no problem with that it's just yeah i don't have a problem with the fashion obviously it's just my issue was i don't want to feel like because i was getting more and more plugged into the church that i go to and i don't want to feel like i'm morphing to look the part and i, I looked at myself one day i was like i straight up look like I'm trying to be like this, one of these cool pastors on, on Instagram or whatever. Well, that's that's my issue with it. It's not really – I really don't even have an issue with people wearing anything. We're going to really. pick at churches, dude, but it's not going to be for the <clears throat> reasons that – Well, it's not even that. I, I just – I noticed just the only thing I can go off of is my own experience, right? And so I just know that there are people within the church that that the common thread is that they lose sight of who they are and become more – more like what they see and they want to be popular. And, and, and that happens in every circle, not just in church circles. But, you know, for me, it's just like, for example, everybody that everybody that's listening to this, you probably know exactly what I'm talking about. You walk into Walmart, you see a guy wearing certain things and you can pretty much tell, oh, they go to a big mega church and they're probably on staff or they're probably a worship leader based they on what they be. dress. Yeah. And, and well, there's and nothing wrong with that. No, but we both, A, notice ourselves drifting, but we I, I have seen people. <coughs> there's a guy I'm thinking of right now, and I don't even know this guy. I just, I've met him a couple times. But I remember meeting him a few years ago, and he, he had a pretty normal, casual look about him. Like he, there was nothing overly fashion about him. He just, you know, jeans and t shirt, whatever. Yeah. And I ran into him not too long ago, and he uh, was like decked out in like, this very staple like look yeah and i'm i'm with you man i don't really care what people wear i just i noticed that it wasn't for me like i noticed that i was drifting to kind of to kind of fit up a, a, a role or play a part or whatever and so i decided to retire the pastor boots and uh <laughs> or like i call the fairy boots and i was just like man i just want a nice pair of boots yeah. like yeah maybe it's cuz i'm getting older or like I don't know if that has it. Do people go through boot phases as they get older? Is it like a thing, like a midlife boot crisis? I don't know. I just think that, I mean, be true to yourself. You know, yeah. if you want, if you want Chelsea's great, cool. Um, but for me, I feel like the older that I get, like what you're saying is, I feel like the older that I get, the more I just want practical things that yeah. suit me, that I like that. And maybe that is, I don't personally own a, pair of Chelsea's but I'm gonna get you some for your birthday <clears throat> see if you wear them well I mean I and probably would wear jeans. them I probably would wear them but the thing the funny thing about it is like number one big dudes and skinny skinny jeans just don't really look right yeah and there's gonna be people like there's gonna be people listening to this that are like no I'm big and I wear them and I look great they cool. can handle all the other topics we talked about but you're gonna piss somebody off right now <laughs> it's all about skinny yeah. jeans dude yeah I just like I went through a phase where I liked Wranglers. I can't stand them now because they just they hug in all the wrong places. <laughs> Dude, I I kind of liked Wranglers. Well, it's it's so it reminds me of like you know the Instagram preachers and in sneakers or whatever. Uh-huh. It's like that, like because now I I swear I notice people trying to tag them and get noticed, like mm-hmm. like pastor people that I know. Like it's like, become a thing now. It's like they want they want preachers and sneakers to notice them so they can like be the next dude or whatever. And I'm a little, I'm butthurt right now about him because I reached out to him to try to get him on the podcast and he ignored me. So <laughs> if you're listening, Preachers and Sneakers, 
Um, <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Uh, but yeah, no, I, I really did reach out to him. But anyway, we didn't we didn't uh, we didn't come here today to talk about high fashion fairy boots and <laughs> the works. So let's talk about what we did come to talk about, which is the two things, respectively, that probably have been instrumental and maybe the most pivotal in our lives for you was death, losing your dad, uh-huh. which I think I was telling you earlier, I think a lot of people are going to resonate with that story. Uh, just hearing about it, which probably most people our age haven't lost a parent yet. Maybe some of them have, but it's something that that's going to happen to all of us. I mean, yeah. Unless, yeah. unless we, for some reason go first, but and for you it's death. And for me, it, it was divorce. So the big D's, that's right. Oh, yeah. That's right. The big D's. So I don't know. Let's 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 tap into those things a little bit. Divorce and death. This is like the most depressing podcast episode. Now that I'm thinking about it, we're talking about this death, is real stuff, though, man. Death and divorce. Well, it is real, man. And and I think that I think a lot of the things that we talk about on this podcast, be it faith or life or whatever, a lot of those things were birthed out of walking through those experiences. Like, I mean, your your dad. How long has he been gone? It'll be two years, two years in February, which two is crazy. Years? Yeah. Wow, man. That is, what's, cr- oh my gosh, that feels so crazy. Well, so what's crazy is your dad was like another dad to me too. Like he loved me growing up, you know, the Absolutely. same way. I can it, just hear him now. Help, love you, man. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> well, and so it's, it's going to be hard to talk about this. I, I want to talk about your experience with it and stuff. And cause we could go into the weeds with. Roger stories. Roger isms. Roger isms. My yeah. dad's name was Roger Nichols. For everyone that yeah, and it's it's hard because they don't know him, and it's, it, there's nothing they can go off of. We'll say this. We'll paint like a really broad stroke. Okay, so this is Nichols' dad. Long gray ponytail. Not always. Not. I'll just I'll just paint it. Okay. So here, let me my give dad, you the brush. Paint it. Yeah. My dad. Growing up, I had the older dad, right? So my dad was a good 20 years older than most other people's dad. Uh, my dad died at 76, I believe, and I'm just now 31. Uh, so that gives you a little bit of the age gap. I learned a lot of things that my dad taught me a lot more of an old school way of life. So there's probably going to be a lot of things that, that I even talk about going forward in the podcast that it like... It's just going to make sense to a lot of people. But my dad was extremely blue collar. He was a plumber all of his life. He just had an old school way about him. When he retired, he used to have have to keep groomed. He used to have to t- have like his face shaved, all that oh, kind of stuff. Okay. And then when he retired, he was like, I'm not shaving again. I'm not cutting my hair. I'm not doing any of that stuff because I don't have to anymore. And so... When, when Hep says that my dad was long haired, you know, just all that, like that's because he just got tired of shaving. He had to shave his whole life, keep his hair real trimmed, all that. Well, and then he went through. He kind of turned into a biker, so he grew his hair out, grew his yeah. beard out. Yeah. But anyway, so so you and your dad was also he was the funny, he was the funny guy. So he always, but like not just like normal funny. Like it was like a how would you I don't know how to describe it. He had these like weird one liners about everything. Like he just said the weirdest crap that was so funny. And I think part of it had to do with his age because he's just like that funny old man. He had a lot of old school dad one-liners, like dad jokes. It was like redneck, dad joke, kind of like yeah. hybrid. Yeah. Yeah. One of the things that that I, I mean, this is one of the things I'll always remember about your dad. Sorry for the dogs barking in the background. Freaking everybody. dogs. Death, divorce, and dogs. 
That's funny, right? Divorce um, and death of dogs. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so, I I don't. I literally, and I mean this very literally, I anytime we were at your house and we uh, left the house, your dad, every single, he'd be sitting there on the chair in the little dining room area uh-huh. that faced the front door, watching TV from there, and we'd leave, and he'd say, all right, boo-boo, love you. Yeah, so my nickname growing up was boo-boo, and he always called me boo. Which is so funny. Which is really funny. Um, my dad was always my best friend. Taught me everything, pretty much everything that I know, and and the things that I learned outside of him were just through observation of my brothers, life experience, things like that. My dad, when he retired, he pretty much just like gave up on a lot of things, and that's that's sad to talk about, but being a guy who worked so hard his whole life, he just kind of like gave up on a lot, really, but he also did not give up on like spending time with me, wanting me around, wanting me and my siblings around. Right. I think looking back, like your your dad was the ultimate. Like when we tell stories of your dad, there are times where we tell stories that paint him in this like heroic light. Like he was such a loving, gentle, kind. But then we also, and this is what's been so interesting about him passing, is because we have to also be honest about the ugly parts of it. Yeah. But we, but I don't ever feel like it dishonors his life or legacy. Like I feel like it actually, there's something really human about it. Yeah, I mean he he was he had some messed up tendencies, man. Yeah, like, like he, I mean to be very real and honest, I think a lot of people resonate with this kind of stuff. Just hearing details, like my dad was one of the most loving and caring people. Also, I mean he was very selfish. He he was very like controlling of money and and things like that. But I mean. Overall, I think his demeanor and the way about him was I would do, he would do anything for me, for you, for my brothers and sister. It was, yeah. And and like I said, he was my best friend. So just to, just to make it light for half a second. I mean, I go to this story like every time we talk about your dad, because I think it's so, do you know what I'm about to say? Yeah. I think it's so, yes. I think it's so funny. Nichols and I, this, and this will kind of show you. When Nichols says like selfish, it's little things like this. And like in hindsight, they're funny. But me and Nichols went on a trip to New York City. Both of our moms went. It was like a big group thing. Anyway, we come back and Nichols' dad is going to be picking them up from the airport. Well, at the time he drove like a little... It was a red F-150 extended cab. Remember that? The standard? I thought it was a little truck. Uh Uh-uh. He had that one too. Okay, so he drove that truck. Yeah. This brother rolls up to the airport... (laughs) In you know, a brand new... <laughs> brand new, single cab, F-150. Yeah, like... And he special ordered it, so it wasn't like he just, on a whim... Like, didn't go find a deal or something like No. And he paid top dollar for it, and never once talked about it with my mom. <laughs> <laughs> so she comes out with luggage and a kid, and being exhausted from a freaking week-long trip in New York, to... Jet-lagged, oh, all that. <laughs> yeah, you, like, you bought a, a truck. Okay, and... Like, that was Raj, though. Like, and I'm sure she wasn't super thrilled about that. No, I heard about it for yeah. a long time. Yeah, so that was that's Raj. But, you know, he was also, like you said, loving. But, I mean, it's it's hard because no, no one – it's hard. Like, I feel like we could go on and on about your dad, but I really want to get to <laughs> – That's just really funny. I forget about that story now. Dude, I never forget about that story. I think it's so funny. 
Um, and being Hep, being best friends since we were 10, he witnessed all this. <laughs> oh, yeah. It was great. But anyway, we didn't kind of talk about all that. So Well, it's hard because people don't actually know your dad. So if we're just talking, it's like they're just hearing us tell stories about this random guy that they don't know. Well, not but, necessarily, though. I mean, people well, people are going to attach certain things to their dads. Well, yeah, of course. people, someone that they lost. But so. I, what I want to hear about is the, the perspective you have that most people in their early 30s or I guess late 20s at the time is that like most of us still had our parents around. There is a small, maybe I don't know what it is, but a small portion of people have lost a parent and know what that's like. But most of us don't. Like my parents still have their <coughs> their parents with the exception of one. Like, yeah, you know, and they're, yeah. they didn't lose them at that age. But what what was that like? I mean, that's, well, a, weird, that's well, a weird question. No, it's, it's actually a great way to transition into a little bit about um, this whole story that I have. So I kind of, um, for everybody listening, I was, I've been kind of doing a, a I went through deconstruction uh, starting about three years ago. In the past year, I've been doing a lot of reconstruction. But, so I started asking questions, trying to figure out who I am. In past episodes, we talk a little bit about how like, I felt kind of robbed of who I was because I was trying to fit a mold of being a pastor. Kind of was asked to step down or, or agreed to step down from that and then began all kinds of trying to figure out who I was, things like that. Well, the pivotal moment in my story was when my dad passed because a man doesn't truly become a man until your dad passes. And I don't expect anyone that hasn't lost their dad to really understand that, but maybe you might be able to wrap your head around this. I think that makes a lot of sense, but even yeah. from even from like my perspective. But well, I, I don't think it like diminishes like grown men who are men. Well, I'm not saying that people aren't, men, aren't, aren't right, men, right, right. But there's an happens, element of manhood, though. Yeah. Well, what happens there? The reason I say that is because I'll never forget a, a month or two months after I was traveling for work or something. And I saw, like, me and my dad, one of our big biggest connections was hot rods and building things and working on cars and all that kind of thing. But I was out of town, and I saw a trailer with, like, a car hauler that had two or three old school, like, really old, probably 50s model, like, Buick cars, right? And they looked freaking sweet. And I saw something on these cars that I didn't know what it was. And so I dialed my dad's phone number. And I call him. Oh, crap. And yeah. And I get his voicemail. And at that moment, I realize, oh, God, like, my dad's not here. And up until that point, like, yeah, it had been real for me. But I hadn't really been that emotional because I really didn't have many regrets at all with my dad. So I hadn't really dealt with very much of the emotional side of it. But I just lost it and mm-hmm. had to pull over and all that. And at that point, I realized, like, and this is why I say men don't really walk in manhood, like true manhood, until your dad passes away. Because at that point, I realized, like, I have no, I don't have my dad to fall back on. Like, I don't have him to fall back on for advice. I don't have him to fall back on for questions that I have about hot rods. I don't have him to fall back on for just any sort of life advice. And so. It's really interesting. Yeah, and at that point, I think in my journey, I realized that like there are certain things 
inside of me that are only there because of my dad. At that point, I was like, I'm going to do everything in my power to preserve that, like to preserve my dad inside of me. Well, so there's what's interesting about your story with losing your dad is there's a lot of stuff that you inherited from your dad or learned from your dad while he was alive. You are the way you are because of the things your dad instilled in you during his life. What I've noticed also is that there's there's uh, there's been things that because of your dad's death, like I and of course if if I could t- turn back time and give your dad X you know more years, of course I would do that. But I do want to point out that I don't think certain elements of who you are right now would be in play had your dad not passed away. Absolutely. Like his death brought something out of you. I mean, I remember it, dude. Like you had sort of started stepping into your you know, kind of your identity and stuff. But when your dad passed away, because your dad was, I mean, what you see is what you get type of dude. Yeah. There, there was no, and I think that's what we like when we talk about how he was like really selfish or really loving. He was being we're, we're all kind of like that. Yeah. But your dad yeah. didn't hide it. Yeah. That's the difference. Yeah. And so when whenever your dad passed, you started going through this transition of like, man, I'm a little exhausted of pretending or hiding. Yeah. Talk about that. Well, so I, I just like coming out of the whole pastoring thing, coming out of all that, like whether, whether I want to admit it or not or whether other people want to admit it or not, there's a part of you that like, you have to you have to kind of hide certain parts of you. Like what do you that, what do you mean by that? I mean I know what you mean, but for the sake of clarity, what do you mean by that? Well, like for example, you you kind of can't be as real as you want to be sometimes, or you kind of can't um, approach certain people because they're above you or they're over you in leadership, or okay, or like you can't really have an opinion sometimes because. So it kind of goes into what what, what we've talked about. <laughs> Um, I think even on this last one we recorded, but because now you represent the organization to a degree. Yeah. So they have put their stamp on you as one of theirs and someone who represents them. And so now you have to be careful not to tarnish the brand, the image, yeah. reputation. So. But after after my dad passed, it was like, no, I, I'm going to be me. And yeah, there's going to be certain things that are, maybe I have to apologize later for. Sure. Or maybe there are certain things that... Have you guys already stepped away from church like the way that that's, I don't mean that to sound weird. Like y'all stepped away from, like it's some big dramatic thing, but had y'all already kind of stepped out a little bit more by the time your dad passed Yeah, we, we had kind of, uh, I remember actually having one of the last conversations that I had with my dad was like, he asked how church and stuff was going. Cause that was such a big part of my life. Mm-hmm. And I remember having a conversation with him, just kind of telling him, you know, dad, we kind of, haven't been going as much, not, not because we don't like church or anything like that. We just been taking a break. Actually, my dad passing was part of my saving grace for church because at that point I was pretty frustrated. I was mm-hmm. very frustrated at church, very frustrated at just feeling like I'd given so much to it, mm-hmm. but didn't get anything in return type deal. Like it had sort of just taken your life from you. <clears throat> Kinda. Yeah. Yeah. But I remember, I remember at one point after my dad passed, like the weekend after, Pastor Rick Bizet called me. And so, he, for the record, I, I I think a lot of people know who Pastor Rick is, but he is the pastor. <clears throat> he founded a church in Central Arkansas that now has multiple church campuses across the state of Arkansas. And I mean, here's what's funny. 
we're talking about a pastor right now who who leads you know what we also call a mega church so he actually leads a, the type of church that sort of fits in the family of churches that we sometimes talk about being frustrated at yeah and so i just think that's important to point out because sometimes i feel like it can come across as we just crap all over the church and like mega churches and things like that but and we'll get into why pastor rick has played a role in my own story but for both of us this is a pastor of a mega church of thousands and yeah, thousands, thousands of, of people. Thousands of people. They wear fairy boots. I mean, the whole thing. <laughs> no, Pastor Rick doesn't. Pastor Rick yeah. hates that and skinny jeans. <clears throat> anyway, I just want to point that out because I do think it's important Like that this is a guy who is a part of the thing we sometimes get really frustrated with and is also a part of the reason that we even give it a chance. Yeah, definitely a reason that I, I don't like to just crap on the church anymore. Mm-hmm. He actually helped me come out of the bitterness towards the church because the weekend after my dad passed, actually the night after my dad passed, he called me and just checking on me, want to know how I was doing, heard that my dad had passed, called me, prayed with me, prayed for my well-being, prayed for my sanity, prayed, you know, okay. I, I had some tears, things like that. I have a question about that because... My initial response, if I were to hear something like this, would, would be to say, well, of course he did. That's what pastors do. They show up at the hospital and did this and that. I had stepped away, though, for, for a while. That's what I wanted to point out, is that you weren't even really a part of the church anymore. You weren't. You certainly weren't doing any leadership type of things, and you really weren't even attending regularly. And, again, this is not our typical southern church like of a few hundred people where the pastor knows everybody. This is uh, a pastor of... Thousands of people. I mean, I mean, somebody had to have tipped him off that, hey, you know, or maybe they have somebody on staff that researches who yeah. passed away, blah, blah, blah. I, I have no idea. I'm, I'm sure all those people are in place, but. Well, the point is, it feels good to know. It, and it's not, this is not like a, oh man, Rick Bizet's so great. I mean, I have a lot of admiration and respect for him for sure. So, of course, I think that. But the point is, it's frustrating, man, because sometimes. The church feels fake, and the, even the efforts feel convoluted by like false intentions, or it just feels like weird. what they can get out of it, or whatever. Yeah. yeah, like I don't want a pastor to reach out to me because they're just being pastorly or whatever. Like yeah. it, it doesn't feel real. But you and I both know that 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 moment where he reached out to you about that, like that was a real moment for you, man. And he wasn't he wasn't reaching out to you to try to get you to come back to church. Mm-mm. He literally he never said anything about that. This is a man who is just, it's, it's a Christian man who's a pastor and he reached out to you just to say, man, I, I heard about what you're going through and it, we're thinking and praying for you. Yeah. I mean, what it, what it felt like to me was what we've talked about in the past episodes. He cared. He straight up cared enough to call me about one of the most pivotal points in my life about my dad passing away. Wanted to just say, hey, I'm thinking about you. He prayed with me over the phone. And literally after that call, like I put it on speaker, me and my wife were laying in bed. It was kind of late at night. I sat up in the bed and looked at my wife and she was like, man, that was really cool. So I think it was even good for her. Yeah. Man, that's that's really interesting. <clears throat> So yeah, you uh, a lot of, of your identity even began to be shaped 
by that. I find it, uh, it's so weird. I feel like you keep learning things about your dad. Oh yeah. You keep learning things about you and your dad. Like, like I know you'll call me and be like, Oh, I was thinking about X, Y, and Z. And I realized this thing about my dad and it's like all of a sudden something made sense. But what I think is so funny about it, I don't know if you would have noticed that while he was alive. Mm-mm. It's and that's just the way it is. There's things that that I don't notice about my parents or my wife or my you know whatever, and all of a sudden when it's gone, it's like, yeah, it really is a, almost a bittersweet thing because there's something really special and sweet about the relationship that you have to your dad right now, even though your dad's not alive anymore. Yeah, I mean it's. There, what's funny is there's certain situations when he was alive that I would call him and he would say certain things, right? Like he would say about like the last episode, like I, I reference, I could just hear my dad saying, right, 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 son, she will get hers. Like it, her time is coming where she's going to need things from somebody uh-huh. and blah, blah, blah. I referenced that in the last episode. But before my dad passed, I would just called him and told him all about how frustrated I was, and he would say it, and that would be it. Right. But in this, like this type of thing, once he's gone, it's like there's there's certain things in your life you just go through, and you get to thinking about it, and all you hear is dad saying blank, you know, and I think that's really cool because. It, it allows me to, to reflect on the things that my dad used to tell me. And now I say them, you know, they internalize a lot more instead of just hearing it. Yeah. Like realizing that there's been a lot of things that my dad has said that are just stuck in my head that come out in certain situations. Well, it's interesting because now those things aren't things your dad said. They're there for years. Your dad said all these things and kind of planted these seeds, if you will. And so now they're, it's not your dad, it's you. Yeah. You know, those yeah. things are not echoes of your dad's voice. Those things are you and how your brain works and how your emotions process. Yeah. But it's because of the countless number of times that mm-hmm. your dad said those things. It was consistent within that, uh, that framework of, of how y'all functioned and operated. So that that's a little fascinating to me, actually. I don't know if, I don't know if that's actually deep or if I'm just like overthinking it, but no, it's it's pretty deep, and it's a lot deeper when you feel those things. Yeah, well, and it, but it's different too because like I I see certain things of my parents in myself right now. As I get mm-hmm. older, I see myself; those things have become me. But it's a lot different than like you'll do or say things sometimes, and we'll joke about it because I'll be like, "Oh my lord, that's you are Roger Nichols," like, <laughs> and it's just like, yeah, it's different than oh you're you're you've picked up a trait. It's yeah. like, that's why I love it. It's weird because death is so, uh, it's so absolute, you know, it's yeah. so, there's so much, it's final. <clears throat> when someone dies, man, it's done. Well, even. And yet he's not done. Yeah. That's what's so weird about it. Yeah. And it, we can talk about this in a little bit, but I want to talk about something. It kind of brings a whole new light to having a son. Oh, like man. about to have a son, you know, yeah. it, it makes you think a lot about those things. But just for an example, like. This, you know, we're at the end of deer season right now, and I'm not going to talk a lot about deer hunting, but my dad was the one who I remember being in junior high and all my buddies would go hunting and I had never been. So I approached my dad, dad, Hey, would you take me hunting? Can we go hunting? 
And he took me. And he loved it just as much as I did. Wait, wait, wait. Your dad didn't hunt before that? He had before I was born. Like way back in the day. Again, when I was born, I was my dad was... Dude, I have been thinking... 40-something? <laughs> I've been thinking that your dad just always hunted. No. He got into hunting because you because wanted of to me. get into hunting. Yeah. Interesting. I didn't know that. Well, like this past deer season, I remember sitting on the stand, huh. which deer hunting for me is one of my biggest hobbies. Like, love it so much. It's probably the number one hobby that I have that I love the most. And since he's passed, it's actually it actually means a lot more to me now. So since he's passed, I remember sitting on a deer stand just kind of talking to him. And that sounds so woo-woo, weird. But I just talked to my dad. and Like literally? Yeah. Like, hey, dad, you know, doing something that we love, you know, or whatever. That makes me feel so weird. And yet I think it's like, it's it's so uncomfortable for me to think about. But it's also like really sweet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it's yeah. Like, well, it's it's doing the number one thing that, that we did that we love Right. Other than like working on cars and stuff, but like we would gear up for a month or more for deer season every year and he would go with us and, and me and my brothers and, and all that. But I remember sitting there and just could hear my dad like this past season, I could just hear my dad saying me freezing my butt off, sitting in the stand, my toes are numb, all that. And I could just remember my dad saying, son, just, just chill out. Mm-hmm. The deer will come. And sure enough, both days, and it, this is probably completely coincidence. Call it spiritual. Call it whatever you want. But the two days that I spent talking with my dad the most, I killed a buck one day, the first day. And the second day, I killed another one. And they were literally after I had spent time going, dad, like I'm about to get down, man. This is this freaking sucks. What do you, what do you think? Like genuinely, what do you, do you, do you think that there's a spiritual, do you think that there's a, it, or, or do you actually think it's just a coincidence? Like, I don't know. I don't know. That's, that's hard to say because there's no, I mean, or maybe it's a little both. Maybe it was a coincidence and in the coincidence you found like meaning. Maybe. Is that, yeah, I, mean, I, I think that's... what the way I think about it is I could hear my dad say, just sit in the stand a little bit longer. Hmm. And, I think because of that, I did sit in the stand a little bit longer. That's interesting. And okay, that's when okay. I saw those deer, you know? So I don't know that it's necessarily like... Like inherently... Like he made a deer show up. Right, right, right. But I do think that... It's, again, like those in principles everyday, were, were planted in you. Yeah, just in everyday, like, huh. everyday situations, like dealing with that neighbor. I could hear him giving me advice, like, no, don't say that. That's going to cause you more harm. That's going to make this situation blow up. But just everyday things, like I, I just thought about like, I could just hear my dad say, just sit a little bit longer, right. get down at, at noon and not at 10 o'clock. Right. I feel like, and that's a perspective that most of us who still have our parents around, we, we don't see through that lens. We don't have to. It, it kind of goes along with just like, I don't know if privilege is the right word, but just, it's like when you have something, you don't value it as much. Mm-hmm. You know, once you don't have it, you realize how much value there is. Yeah. So I don't. I don't probably reflect on uh, the things my parents have instilled in me as much. Like, like it's in me, of course, but I don't spend a lot of time thinking about it. Whereas you've been given the opportunity to. I think about it all the time. Yeah, well, all yeah, the time. Your your dad's life is, is and death is it's having you're having to make sense of a lot of things, and so I, I yeah. find it pretty fascinating. I 
you know, I, I think about your dad all the time too. Like it's weird. Um, well, so I think I think something that we should just highlight here is it's inevitable for every person to experience death in their life. So if you have a parent, hopefully, hopefully your parents will pass before you will. Mm-hmm. It's kind of the way that that if you want to get spiritual, it's the way that nature and God and how everything works. What I do think is crucial here and that I do want to say, I want to spend time and actually say this. I think that if you have a parent and, and you're listening to this podcast, if you have a parent, if you have the opportunity to not have regrets, please do everything that you can to get rid of any regrets that you might possibly have. Mm-hmm. Because I know my uncle passed away a few years before my dad did. And my cousins all have mentioned to me, man, I regret that I didn't spend time with dad. I regret that I, that time that he wanted me to come over and I was too busy hanging out with a girlfriend or whatever. Like those are the things that, that people regret, man. I would make time there for the last year or so of my dad's life. I would make time for at least once a week. If, because I had the opportunity, like, again, if you have the opportunity, please do things that will help you not regret once they pass. Yeah. Because it, like, like I said earlier, I, when my dad passed, I had no regrets. So I wasn't as emotional. I wasn't as just destroyed inside, but I did have a moment where I wanted to call him and ask him for advice. And that's when it hit me because I knew that my dad wasn't here any longer but I didn't have any regrets I'm not like uber sad because I didn't get to talk to him Mm -hmm. or because I was mad at him or because he was mad at me so on and so forth what do you how do you feel when I say that stuff I think that's really good advice uh you know I've got a good relationship with both my parents with all my parents I've got step parents parent laws all of it but I know a lot of people that don't man I know a lot of people that don't it's not even hostile necessarily, but they don't have a good relationship with them. And I think that what you're saying, man, I, I would actually love it. If somebody emailed us or hit us up on social media and, and just like, even if it's a month from now and they're just like, man, I listened to that story and I actually reached out to my mom or my dad or whoever. Yeah. And I'm glad I did. Thanks. Like that dude, that would be, I, if that happens to you, <laughs> freaking let us know. Cause I want to hear about it. Cause that's, that's just like, well, fortunately, too, and, and I'll say this, too, there's there's people out there in today's age, people out there listening right now, and for the listener, you might be this person, uh, where your parents didn't give a crap about you, or maybe you didn't have the luxury of having a dad or a mom or someone like that that cared about you as much as my the stories that I'm telling about my dad. What I would even say is, I hate that for you, but I also will say, I would take that. And let's say you possibly have the opportunity to have children of your own. Be that for your child, please. Like, please be that for your child. No, that's good. That's uh, We got real deep there for a second. Yeah, dude, we went into some, we went into some deep territory. But that's, I mean, that's what we wanted to talk about, dude. That was, <coughs> that was one of the big, if not the most pivotal moment in your life. And that experience was very real and uh, obviously... <laughs> But it changed you, and you know that's uh, most of us. I, I I can't relate to it. So you know, yeah, and for, if, for if me somebody, it was completely different. So 
yeah, somebody wants to reach out to me, like, I don't really tell a lot of people that story. Not that I'm ashamed of it or anything like that, but if people are out there and you need somebody to talk to about that, reach out to me. You can find me on social media or whatever. Like So pastorly of you? <laughs> I'm kidding. I didn't mean to. No, I, I just I think it matters, that. man. Like, Yeah. So we can move on from this, this topic because I think we've kind of beat the dead horse. Um, wow, that's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, <laughs> as soon as you said that. As soon as you said that, dude, I was like, "Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh, man! Some things should not." <laughs> we gotta leave this. Yeah, podcast. we're leaving that on the podcast. Oh man, no pun intended there. That was completely on, like, just an honest statement, man. But man, that's funny. My dad would actually be laughing about that. So that's funny. Yeah. Wow. What a great transition. <laughs> so uh, something that I want to talk about with you, then, Hep. Okay. <laughs> that's really funny that was perfect that was right there my favorite thing that's ever happened on this podcast yeah. man okay go um, ahead. what do you want to talk about so I want to talk about you know you had mentioned divorce I had never been close to anybody that had been walking through a divorce as closely as I was with you whenever you were going through that <laughs> when I was living in your house yeah yeah how would you kind of start that conversation I mean it's it's pretty crucial in your story so yeah that's hard for me because number one i wouldn't i wouldn't wish divorce on anybody i don't think if you can avoid it avoid it like that's what i would say yeah having said that to be quite honest with you uh i'm really glad that it happened because yeah i'm a healthier happier person now i met my wife who i love and we have a great relationship I didn't, uh, you know, we were all joking the other night when the four of us were talking to us and our wives and we were joking about how Kirsten and I don't fight the way that I experienced relationship yeah. fighting. And so, um, but I talked about how timid I was when we first got together to, to fight about anything. I was like scared to fight with her because, yeah. you know, previously it was just a, a nightmare. But I mean, I would, you know, for, for me, the big thing was I was, I was not a healthy person. Yeah. My ex-wife was not a healthy person, and when you take two unhealthy people it, it, and throw them together and co, you know, make a life together, it, it doesn't end well. Yeah. Would you? So, with that being said, would you say that it was all her fault? Absolutely. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Go ahead. No, you would not say that. So, would you say then that when you first met her, would you say that you guys both kind of kind of felt that the other would fix? whatever you felt inside. Does that, does that question make sense? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know if I, I don't know if I was aware of the amount of brokenness that was in me. Okay. So I don't know if I would have consciously thought that what I think happened was I did not have a good sense of identity. I didn't, I didn't really know who I was and I was searching for it. And I met someone who I then got emotionally attached to not even really because of anything I don't even know if I really liked her as much. Like that okay. sounds terrible to say, I, but I mean that. Like I, I, I think what really happened was I found somebody who we we then took our codependent issues and we just sort of projected onto each other. So now I had somebody who was just there and gave me some weird sense of like validity or or whatever. And then, but what happens is it gets more serious, and then the unhealthy, toxic stuff starts happening. But because you're a codependent person, you can't pull out of it. Yeah. You don't even yeah. know how. And so, I mean, and I honestly didn't know. I thought that was what, 
I just thought that's what relationships looked like. I didn't, I didn't know that what a healthy relationship looked like. Um, and so once, once we got, and I mean, dude, like to be fair, people, you included told me, don't rethink this. Like this, when we were getting married, like, and I, but I wouldn't have listened to anybody. I didn't listen to anybody. Yeah. Cause I knew everything, you know, and (laughs) seriously, that's kind of how I was. And, it got so bad too, man. Like all I wanted was to have a family. I wanted to be a pastor and I wanted to have a family. And I got so blinded by my pursuit of those things that I didn't actually sift through and find the right things. It's like, if you want a wife or a husband, that's a noble pursuit. There's nothing wrong with that. Don't just settle for somebody or don't just go like take the first person who gives you attention. If you want to be a pastor or a lawyer or an architect, fine. But don't like sell yourself short to go do that. And so what ended up happening in that process was I just had this end goal in mind, husband, pastor, husband, pastor, you know, dad one day, I I got those things. And so then I ended up being a pastor at a church who I didn't, I always felt like I was having to try to perform and do better and look better than I was. Mm -hmm. Trying to fake it. Yeah. Because God forbid anybody ever saw my imperfections. Okay. Well, meanwhile, I've got a marriage that is just a freaking wreck, dude. Like, we didn't like each other. We didn't mm-hmm. love each other. It was just wildly unhealthy. But you can't get a divorce as a pastor because then you can't be a pastor anymore. Yeah, yeah. And I couldn't lose that. That that was that was too important to me to lose. I remember, dude, and this is I, I tell people this and they don't understand. But I remember at one point thinking, well, there will be a, a time at some point where things will be good enough. Where we'll make a baby, mm. and then our attention can go toward that baby instead and, of fighting. And yeah, and then that. and then we can I, I, we can just like have this fake sense of happiness, but we'll have a kid, and then maybe we'll do that once or twice, three times maybe. It's almost like you thought that that's what everybody else did. Oh well, yeah, I kind of did. I mean, I didn't. I don't know. I don't know what I thought, <laughs> dude. Like, and I just thought, well, that'll give me eighteen years per kid at least, right? Wow. Yeah. And then after that, I'll be a little bit older, and I can regroup from there and figure it out. I mean, and I literally had just resigned. Like I had checked wow. out and was like, you know what? This is my life. I, this is where I'm at. Now, once the once the separation and all that kind of stuff happened, I mean, you remember something in me changed and clicked, and I I did start trying to fight for the marriage or whatever. Mm-hmm. And uh, no, I mean, I I, you know, I was fighting for it and everything, and I was doing all this stuff trying to prove myself counseling all of it trying to but she had already kind of checked out it's not i'm trying to have this conversation without feeling like i'm just being like a basher no i so i'll interject a little bit so would you say that previous to marrying her that you didn't really know who you really were because i have a theory just like every person listening to this that's married and has a happy marriage is probably going to have a theory yeah but i have a theory no i did not to answer your question i did not have any clue who i was because, I kept trying to be who I was thought I was supposed to be because that's what people told me. Well, and for, even in my life, like before I met my wife, I had dated, I dated around and I moved from girl to girl and I never had any breaks between. I mean, I would go two weeks before I had an, another girl I was seeing or, or mm-hmm. interested in or whatever. And then I remember having a conversation with a pastor actually. And he said, he literally told me, Matt, you've got to stop dating people. <laughs> And I was like, I was pissed at that. I was like, screw you, dude. You know, yeah. I'm going to date whoever I want to date. I actually spent two and a half years just focusing on me and what I wanted and trying to figure out who I was and all that kind of stuff. 
I still didn't know 100% who I was, but I had a better grasp of, like, all right, I really don't need to date. Like, I, I just need to chill for a little bit. So I feel like what happened once the separation started and you lived at my house, that you started an actual journey of, all right, I'm done faking it because all your skeletons were no longer in your closet. You had to be honest with people that you had never been honest with before. Yeah, including myself. Including yourself. And and then you had a best friend who just wanted to be there yeah. and process with you and things like that. And so... Would you, would you, like, I honestly think that that time at my house is probably one of the most pivotal moments for you. So the, the progression sort of looked like this. I was a pastor. The marriage had gotten so bad that it was, certain things were coming to light about it and uh-huh. I couldn't fake it anymore. So I tried to be honest with some people and then, you know, they kind of gave me some time to fix things and like step, you know, it was just, a, it was just like a sabbatical is what, is what yeah. we call it. I don't know if that's like a normal word but long story short it escalated into the point of separation obviously at that point I had to you know I I just resigned actually and so I was trying to figure it all out I resigned from the church because I had I just couldn't do it anymore and so then the marriage kind of exploded or imploded or both I don't know and it was like the the thing that you were trying to save face for being the church was no longer there so you just were like screw it it's all not even screw it. Well, you didn't necessarily make yeah. that decision, but it's like you were exposed. Yeah, you exactly. Well, and it was embarrassing, dude. Like everyone knew. Like imagine if you know, like you, you and me and our wives were talking the other night about some of the silly fights we've had, uh-huh. and it, that wasn't embarrassing because we all have those. We yeah. all we all have this stupid like fights about just the dumbest crap. You know? No, you pick the where we're going to eat. Right? No, I'll pick what. <laughs> but that's not what happened to me. What happened to me was. I'm a pastor has a ton of, uh, I say a ton, however many people that admire me or look up to me and they're watching me not be able to be a good husband. Yeah. And they're watching me wow. not be able to have a marriage that's worth anything. So it wasn't even normal in the sense of like when most people go through a divorce, they can kind of recluse in their own house your, and stuff like that. Yours was on display. Yeah, it was on display and it's not like it wasn't it wasn't even on display in the sense of like oh they fight a lot. That's not what it was. It was like they fight and when they fight things get thrown across rooms and people take off in cars and like it's it's psychotic, dude. It was crazy. Yeah. And uh so it was yeah, it was public, it was embarrassing and then all of a sudden we're going through the the separation and I like I said I tried to fight for the thing and I had some guys, you and a couple others that had kind of said some good things to me and I don't even know. I think a part of it was noble. I think a part of me fought for the marriage because that's what you do. You take it seriously, this and that. I remember having you having conversations with you where you were like, dude, it's not right for me to have a divorce. And I was over here going. It's not an option. Yeah, it's not an option. Yep. Like I remember even telling you like, dude, I don't know that y'all necessarily should have gotten married in the first place. Like, like yeah. so I think it's. It's well, probably I mean, the best thing that y'all not be together. I I, I had a, a pattern of staying in unhealthy situations longer than I should have. In a sense, I'm glad that I fought for the marriage because now that I have my wife that I'm with now, when we started dating, like she knew, hearing my story, she knew that I do take relationship and marriage seriously. So yeah, and I, I that was important to me. But I do, to be quite honest with you, I wish I wouldn't have fought as long as I did. Like I wish I would have, yeah. I would have, I wish I would have bailed earlier, because you know there were times where like I'm on the phone, you know, with her, and I'm going, 
I know you don't like me. I know you don't want to be with me. You've already told me you want to file for divorce, blah, 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 blah. But I'm still committed to this. And the response is not like, okay. Like, you know what I thought? I watched Fireproof, the freaking Christian movie. <laughs> yeah. Which is a fine movie, I guess. But I actually cried in that movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I watched that and, you know, that movie ends with he does the love dare and does all the right crap and she comes back to him. When I did the love dare, we had a conversation. She'd go, hey, just so you know, like, I get that what you did was nice, but I don't love you. I don't want to be with you. It's not gonna. It's not gonna change anything. Wow. Yeah. You know. And then that's me- crushing. And then meanwhile, there's other people that are in the mix. You know what I mean? Like college. counselors, friends. Pastors. No, I mean, I mean, yeah, friends. That might be an appropriate. Uh, oh, okay, okay, okay. Yeah. And it's funny we were talking about Pastor Rick earlier. It was during all the stuff that he reached out to me or something. I don't remember how we ended up talking and. uh he did the same thing, man. Just checking in. He just said, I remember him asking me, like, how's Matt doing? Yeah. yeah. And he, he saved face for me because I was pissed off at the church. Yeah. I was pissed off at the guys that I had been leaders with, the guys that were my friends, who were my pastors and bosses. I mean, we had hard words, you know, like yeah. me and uh, me and Joey, uh, the pastor over there, we had like a four hour conversation at one point where we had to sift through all this stuff because I was so bitter, man. I was so mad at him. And we're good. We're fine now. I saw him the other night and shook his hand and said, what's up? And we talked for a second. So that's the only reason I name drop him. Yeah, yeah, I know yeah. He, yeah. he knows I'm not like talking crap about him. But uh, man, that whole thing, number one, I will say this. I think that that experience showed me a lot about relationships and health, personal health. Now, that also put me in counseling, which was incredible for me. I needed a counselor. I needed yeah. to be in counseling. I had a lot of crap that needed, that I didn't realize needed sifted through. But like, dude, I'm not a perfect husband now but like I'm a good husband yeah know? and I love my wife and I know I just learned a lot from that experience I wish that it wouldn't have taken that for me to learn a lot but sure as it is that's where we're at so um, I think that's cool man I mean not cool that you experienced divorce and not cool <laughs> that you had to walk through all that turmoil right but it's crazy because I, I remember you living at my house and me Literally, I don't even. I think my dad was still around at this point. Um, yeah, he was. But I remember just him saying like, "Everything's gonna be okay." And mm-hmm. he would ask about you periodically, mm-hmm. and I would kind of fill him in. You know what's going on. He and he would even tell me, "Hep's gonna be all right." Yeah, like you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember you telling me stuff like that. Like, well, and dude, it was just so crazy because. You know what what feels like is a topic about divorce was actually for me about much deeper stuff like <clears throat> divorce was just what happened between me and another person that's all yeah. that was I mean and yeah. that happens all the time dude like divorce is unfortunately like really common what happened in me was I had to dig into who I was I mean dude I, why I, you were why you did reacted why you what whatever. I think about God wow God okay. how come I'm praying to you all the time uh, you know, and like, you know, pastors love to talk about those token stories about we, we, we got this healed marriage and blah, blah, blah. We laid hands on him. And- yeah, dude. And I'm sitting there going, God, you're supposed to be real. And all these churches have all these victory stories about all the good things you do, but you don't give a crap about me. I'm over here wow. begging you and busting my tail to make this work. And you have your back to me. And I remember in your living room, dude, when you were gone, I told you, I used to pace the freaking uh, living room, like praying out loud. Um, just talking to God and it wasn't like some spiritual prayer. It was like me cussing God up and down. Yeah. Yeah. And it made me have to ask what I believe, 
and then get to a point where not only would I believe about God, but what I believe about me, like, cause I felt worthless, dude. Yeah. I felt bad and, uh, I didn't think I was worth much. And, uh, it was just an interesting next few years because what ended up happening is I was no longer tethered to this pastoral identity that I'd held on to for so long. I was no longer tethered to trying to revitalize a dead marriage. Yeah. Cause that was what my whole marriage was. My whole marriage was, I mean, dude, you got to understand that somewhere deep inside of me, I knew that was a bad idea on my, on my wedding night. I remember walking out to my car and taking something to the car and I'd been married for all of, you know, 40 minutes or whatever. And I remember thinking, holy crap, I just did that. And having this gut wrenching feeling like I just did such a permanent thing. Yeah. But I thought that was normal. I thought everybody probably feels that. Yeah, I mean, everybody definitely feels the butterflies. Everybody definitely feels stuff like that. But you've experienced a new... No, dude, what I was feeling was... I wouldn't have used these words, but what I was feeling was... You felt something different. What have I just done? Yeah. What have I just done? You know, what ended up happening is after the divorce, it freed me up a little bit to um, explore, dude. Like, I started writing a ton. I remember that, yeah. And, dude, I was like freaking feeling free. I was writing. I I could do things like... I I was no longer tied to like... It didn't. I couldn't tarnish the church anymore. Yeah. I didn't have to walk yeah. on eggshells for the first time. I couldn't tarnish the reputation of the church. I didn't have to spend all my time worrying about how to fix something. I could just fix me, and I could just be. And if I wanted to do whatever, I could. And I don't mean that in like a if I want to stay out late and play video games type of way. I yeah. mean I mean like an internal soul level thing. I had no clue of who I was, you know. And I quit caring what people think now. That was my disposition, though. Like, that was my natural bent because what ended up happening is as I developed health in my life and then I met Kirsten, I got back involved in church again, I started shifting back into that more. Of course, I didn't, uh, have, yeah. I, I didn't have to fix the relationship because I had such a great relationship <clears throat> with Kirsten, but the church thing, like, I started feeling that pressure to, you know, I can't do this, can't say that, can't. I would have never done this podcast uh, two years ago because yeah. I can't be seen, I can't be exposed. And so, that's what started it for me, man. And that's, I mean, is death good? No. Is divorce good? No. Those aren't things anyone likes. But I think that the mark of growth is when you can look at those things, when you can look at the passing of your father and you can find like a sense of purpose in it. When I can look at a messy, gross, like hostile divorce and I can go, okay, there was some sense of purpose in that and I grew in that. I mean, God forbid I didn't grow in that situation and then I got with another toxic person. Or I stayed toxic and ruined Kirsten's life. Dude, imagine if Kirsten would have married that me. That would have been terrible. First of all, she wouldn't have because she's a healthy person. Yeah, and she's a counselor so she could read your your mail. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. True that. But anyway, I don't... Well, I want to ask one more question before we get off. Um, If you could give someone... Advice, knowing what you know now about yourself, what would you say? What would I say to them about getting into a relationship? Well, just period. Like, yeah, I think the biggest thing I would say is you're probably never going to know if you're ready, like, because you're not really ever going to be ready. Like, that's sort of a facade, I think. But what I will say is, I think being ready is sort of a spectrum more so than sure. it, more so than it is like a. Oh, I've now, arrived. Yeah. Type moment. And yeah. so it's like, where are you at on that spectrum? So I think a lot of people need to be honest with themselves and go, am I a healthy person? And they don't, yeah. and you know what they need to do? 
they need to ask other people. Like, mm-hmm. I think one of the most powerful things, granted, I didn't listen, but you and whoever else was able to say to me. Yeah, I remember telling you. Good hey, idea, but I don't, I don't idea. think you should get married. The, the, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And the problem is I didn't have, I didn't invite that. I didn't yeah. want that. But if people would humble themselves a little bit and invite people to give them unsolicited criticism, trustworthy people, not everybody. Yeah. A few yeah. people, not a lot of people. But again, and that's where I think, I, I tell you what, you think you're ready to get married, go do six counseling sessions by yourself. Yeah. There you go. Do that. That's my cool. advice. Yeah. Well, all right, guys. We're uh, we're over time already. But, uh, yeah. We've... Just... Thank you, everybody, for listening to these. These are kind of intimate moments with Matt and Matt, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Is that the new name of the podcast? Yeah. So, yeah, thank it's you been, all for... It's been good sharing this stuff, man. And I, it was awesome passion through that stuff. And uh, Well, it wasn't awesome passion through it all, but just, it was... Just telling about it. <laughs> right, yeah. It's yeah. fun talking about it in a way that, that promotes growth and healing. And, like, you know, there's a lot of people out there that I, I hope will take this and let it let it go into their world, whatever that world is. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, you guys uh, keep listening to our podcast because if you don't, then we're just talking to nobody. Follow us on social media. Give us a like, comment. If you have any questions or want to dig deeper into any of these topics, give us a shout. Thanks again, everybody, and we will see you next time. Holla.